It's, it's interesting any time that I come into a service to observe how the Holy Spirit puts the whole service together. Um, I've been a service coordinator for a number of years, and that's what I do, but there's also the spirit side of it that you have to be yielded and surrendered to the Holy Spirit, and that's what gives the anointing, that's what gives the inspiration, that's what gives the revelation, and so it's interesting that um, Brandon said today, referring to the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, and you'll hear that today, and then um, Barry, during the offering teaching, gave us a quiz. Today, the title of my sermon is, It's Exam Time. It's Exam Time. We live in a fast-paced world. Probably the fastest in the history of the world. Communication is very quick. How many of you remember when we used to have beepers? And then you used to have to go and find a payphone. How many of you remember payphones? But we live in a fast-paced world. And um, if you're like me, I love to move fast. That's just me. I love to manage my time. I love to try my best to be effective, to maximize my efforts. I don't want to waste any energy of mine or any minute of mine. That's not me. I make phone calls while I'm driving. I pray while I'm walking. And by the way, I don't walk slow. I think Brandon and Al saw my wife and I walk in Lake Collinsworth a couple weeks ago. We don't walk slow. It's okay to stroll every now and then, but that's not particularly me. Particularly me. If I'm headed a certain direction and there's multiple things to go in that direction, something to take and to set down, every time I go, I'm going to grab something and just go ahead and take it and set it down while I'm going. We live in an apartment, and so we have to take our garbage out. So as I'm going, I grab things, because if I wait until one time, it's going to take me multiple times, and then I'll be late because I keep going and coming to pick up stuff. But while I'm going, I'll take something with me. I eat fast. I sleep fast. I do. I do everything fast, as fast as I can. I'm the type of person that if you come to me and you have something to share with me and a decision has to be made, I just need you to tell me the facts. I don't need you to tell me how you feel, although that's important. I don't need you to tell me how 75 other people, how they all felt different about it. I just want the facts. And then I try my best to make a wise decision or some course of action that remedies the situation. The one thing that I am slow at, and that is 
I don't rush to judgments. My wife will often tell me, well, could you just make that decision? Let's just move on. I'm like, no, I need to think about this. I need to pray about this. But regardless of whether you're fast moving or you're medium speed moving, we all need to take some time to slow down and even to stop and to examine and to see how we're measuring up. This is the way it is in all aspects of life. You as parents, me as parents, we need to stop, look at our kids, assess how we're doing with them, how they're responding. Maybe we need to change the way we approach things. We can't just say, well, you know, my mom and dad did it this way, therefore I'm going to do it this way. Every child is different. Personalities. If you're married, can I tell you, can I give you some advice? You need to stop and slow down and examine your marriage. You say, well, I've been married 75 years. You need to stop and examine and assess you need to stop and check out your character or your integrity. You say, well, did you have to bring that up? Yes, I did. We have to be men and women of character. I mean, we represent the King of Kings and the only true God. You say, well, I've never thought about it. I pray that today you do think about it. I pray that you do today realize that it's important how you carry yourself at work or at school or in relationships. We have to do that in business. We have to, as businessmen, we have to take a look at our business and see where we can adjust things and tweak things and, and get rid of waste and things of that nature. And we do that in church. We have to stop. Every once in a while and say, hey, let's, let's look at this again. Let's look at the church. Let's look at what we're doing. Let's see how effective we are. Let's see if we have the right people in place. Sometimes people, they go through their life and they wait until they're in their midlife crisis to re-examine. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Take time to look at the different aspects of your life. But since we're in church, let's look at our spiritual walk. Let's, let's take a few moments, and I'm not going to take a long time, but let's, let's be honest with ourselves. How are we, how am I doing spiritually? How are you doing? You don't have to answer to me. It's be, that's between you and God and me and God. But we have to ask ourselves. We have to examine. We have to assess whether we're really on fire for God and whether we truly have the love and passion for Him. We have to take a look at the level of our passion, the level of our hunger, 
the level of our commitment for Him. For Him. This isn't a time here today where somebody's going to get beat up. Please don't take it that way. Please. You know, there are people, and there may be some in here, that anytime you, bring, you address a situation, they always take the defense. Always have a million excuses. You know, there's a, there's a difference between an ex, excuse and a reason. This isn't in my notes, but let me just explain it to you. Everybody can come up with an excuse. Why they didn't, and it didn't happen, and this didn't take place. Make them up. Excuses, but reasons are legit. Reasons are what count. And so I'm not here to beat you up or beat myself up. And if you're that, you're prone to that personality, please let me say up front, don't take me that way. Because when we examine ourselves and take the test, we're able to find out where we truly are. If you're like me, I hate taking exams. I hate it. But the test is given to assess how much comprehension you actually have. How much did you understand? What's your level of revelation or your knowledge on a particular topic? So don't condemn yourself. But rather see it as a step that you can take after your exam. And see where you need to work on. I'm constantly asking myself hard questions. Constantly checking the motive of my heart. I'm constantly trying to be honest before God. I'm looking at areas in my life where they're weak. And they need improvement. It's a searching of the heart. And it's a seeing where you truly are in your relationship with God. You could be here today and you could be on fire for God. I mean, just the fire is raging. Or you could be here today and you feel cold. You feel like your relationship with God is cold. Sometimes we're cold and we don't even realize it. I've often said that if there was a time in your life where you felt more close to God than you are today, you're in a backslidden state. You say, well, that's, that's kind of harsh. I don't mean it to be harsh. Not at all. I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying that at all. Husbands. If you don't love your wife today more than you have in the past, there is a sliding away between the two of you. Does that make sense? So it is with our walk with Christ. Every day, our passion for Him should grow stronger and stronger. If today you don't love pizza like you used to, you're backsliding. You're sliding back away. Now, your doctor would tell you, well, that's a good thing, backsliding. 
But do you understand what I'm saying? And the devil, he always brings things into our life to cause us to grow cold or lose our passion for God. Last week we heard a tremendous message, at least I felt that it was, a tremendous message about the importance of forgiveness in our life and how that as we forgive others, then God forgives us. And There's all kinds of situations that give us opportunity to forgive people in different situations. Can I tell you, none of those things are worth you missing heaven over. None of those. As bad as they were, I agree. As wrong as they were, I agree. But it's not worth losing your salvation over. It's not worth it. And sometimes we get so busy that we don't take time to cultivate our relationship with God. The Bible calls it the cares of this world. That's what the Bible calls it. The cares of this world. Many times we get ourselves all wrapped up in church. All the different activities of church. Spiritual activities. And they're all they're good, but not to the point that they take away your relationship with God. Busyness at home. Maybe at work, in your work life or your school or your, your relationships. These things are all necessary. But they're ne- they never should crowd out your time with God. Your relationship with God. Today I just want to take time to examine my own spiritual walk with God. My intimacy with God. And I want you to do the same. It's not what you have done for God, but rather to examine the level of passion and your commitment to Him. Let me explain this. There are many times that people can get confused concerning their relationship with God. And they interpret it by how many things they do for God. Do for God. Last week, we were, the elders were talking, and, and I brought out this, this point. And, and it's one of the things that, especially people that are in the church, work at the church, they, they struggle with. Because they, let's just take, for instance, the worship team. They come up, and they lead worship, and they, that's what their job is. And so before you know it, they've come and they've done what they do, and then they go home and never received anything for themselves from God. I was a crusade director for, I don't know, 10 years, whatever, and put together crusades all, all over the world. And it's, it's a lot of work when you take groups of people with you and you buy the tickets and you have to arrange the transportation and the hotel and the food and the venues and the passports and the visas and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I had to watch myself that I didn't get to the point where I was just doing, doing, doing for God, doing for God, doing for God. Because when you take all that doing away, what's left? You're distant from the one that you did it for. It's not worth it. Can I tell you it's not worth it? Can I tell you that if you, if you come here to church and, 
you're an usher or you sing on the worship team or you work in the sound booth or run a camera, can I tell you to always take time to be quiet before, your, before God and let Him speak to you? Let Him refresh you? Let Him water your soul? If you never did anything more for Him, how much of your personal relationship with Him would you have left? Many times, like I said, people get mixed up. They want to they define it by what their relationship with God, with what they do for Him. Their identity gets wrapped up in what they do versus who they are with God. See, the word examine means to look at critically, to investigate and to test by questioning. And I believe that Paul came to the conclusion of this whole examination thing concerning his, the spiritual walk in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 34. And here's what he said, and this is a, this is a stunning verse. This is not a beat-around-the-bush kind of a thing. This is not a, well, let's sugarcoat it here and... Um, we'll, we'll give you this bitter pill, but we'll get the spoon of sugar right in there right away so it's not too hard for you. Paul didn't do that. This is an in-your-face verse. He says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some of you, some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. That's a straightforward verse. And to some, it's jolting and it's shocking. And, but Paul was a father, a spiritual father. And so even as we, as natural parents, we have children... When they're small, we give them instructions. Go to the bathroom and brush your teeth before bed. How many of you parents have ever said that to your kids? Go brush your teeth. But when they get older, when they get 25, 32 years old, you shouldn't have to do that. If you have to do that, it's a shame. It's a shame. And so here in this passage, he says, awake to righteousness. In other words, examine yourself. Come, shake yourself. Come to your senses. Wake up. Don't get caught up in life and just be cruising along and neglect your walk with Christ. Let your passion for God, let it burn like a raging fire. Can I tell you that doesn't come automatic? At least for me it doesn't. I have to work at that. And it says, he's meaning here, and let godly righteousness be at the core of your being. In other words, be like the horse with the blinders. Awake. Just focus on God. Take time 
to be close with him, to read his word, to talk to him. Don't get caught up with the things of this world. And the second thing that he says is stop sinning. Stop sinning. He didn't say, well, you know, if you're, if you're you know, going through a difficult time, it's okay, you know, and things like No, he said stop it. And there are people that always want to argue about what is sin and what isn't sin. Oh, I don't think that that's sin. Oh, yeah, I think that's sin. Here's what I say. If what you're doing isn't pleasing to God, is sin. If it doesn't honor Him, it doesn't matter what you and I, ultimately. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what He thinks. And so I, we have young people, you know, they'll come to us and they'll, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And I always tell them, pray and ask God if, he think, if that's pleasing to Him. And if that's honoring to Him. You have to have a clear conscience before God. There, can I tell you something? That there are rights and wrongs in sin, but then there are also individual things that you can't do because God told you not to do that. There's things that I do and don't do, not necessarily because I think that it's wrong or whatever. I just don't participate in it just to make sure that it pleases God. Oh, well, you know, you know, I'm an individualist. I, I, can, I can carry out my salvation and walk with God. Oh, really? And you get to heaven and you find out some of the stuff that you participated in and it's not displeasing to him. You may have a different song and dance that day. I don't want that. Hear my heart. Hear my heart. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't want to do anything that displeases him. We don't, we don't want him ever to turn his face from us. Say, well, I think I could do pretty good with that. No, you couldn't. If you knew the plans that the enemy has for your life, let me tell you something. You're completely desperate for God to intervene on your behalf. He not only will wreck every part of your life, but he's out to destroy your soul. And if you don't believe that that can happen to you, not being judgmental, but you can think of people who were once on fire for God who now don't even name the name of Christ. And that is a possibility to us. None of us are exempt. How do we think that that can happen to them but not happen to us? Is what you're doing pleasing to him? Is it honoring to him? He's also saying when he says stop sinning, he's, in other words, he's saying kill those fleshly desires and yield and surrender to God. Philippians 2.13 For it is God which works in you both to do and to will. To will and to do his good pleasure. It's God. It's not your strength. Oh, well, I've had to do everything on my own. You don't have to do everything on your own. You can yield to the Holy Spirit, and He'll give you the strength to do it. 
So he gives you the want to. I call it the want to. Growing up in life, I, there were things that I didn't have a desire for. I didn't have a passion for. And I would just ask the Holy Spirit, if that's for me, give it to me. Give me the want to. And he does. He said he'd do it right here, and he does. He'll give you the want to. And when you do his will, it, that is what is pleasing to him. Then the third thing that he says here is, he says, for some have not the knowledge of God. In other words, he's saying you need to share the knowledge that you have of God with those who don't know. We share this with people in church and we share this with people out of church. You see, in church, when we share the knowledge of God, that's called discipleship. That's what it's called. Discipleship. We share our knowledge of God with others in the church. That's called discipleship. And then, but we also have to share our knowledge of God with people outside of the church. And that's called witnessing or evangelism or outreach or missions. That's what that is. And you may say, well, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't witness. I'm just, just not good at it. Can I tell you? You can witness. You can witness. Here's a few things that I do personally. I, first of all, I ask the Holy Spirit to lead me and to help me. In the mornings when I get up, Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. I need you to help me. I need you to lead me. You can direct me to the right people. And you can also give me the right words to say. You see, so many times Christians are thinking, well... Witnessing, I got to go preach. No, you don't have to go preach. Number one, be led by the Spirit. Number two, develop a friendship or a relationship with the individual if you can. It could be at work. I'm not talking about being goofy or whatever. I'm, I'm not doing that. Okay? But just demonstrate that you care about them. It opens up all kinds of doors. I know um, Isaac's here, and he works down at the Dream Center. I'm reminded of my dad a number of years ago. He used to go down there when he retired from being a missionary. He used to go down there and just share his testimony with the African Americans down there. I mean, 40 years in Africa, he knew more about African Americans than African Americans know about themselves. And he would go down there and he had a Bible study group and just a few men, older men, would come and he would, he would share his story. And, and Mike Cooper saw me the other day in Lowe's and, and he, says, he said, um, I got a video I need to send you. And I said, okay, I'd love to see it. What's it about? And he said, it's of your dad um, doing his Bible study and sharing his testimony down there. And he said, um, I said, yeah, I'd love to see. I'm still waiting for him to send it to me. So when you see Mike, tell him I'm waiting to see that video. But Mike, here's what Mike told me. He said, in that amount of time where he was down there, there was five African-American men that got saved, pulled out of the clutches of hell, and had access to heaven. Think about that. 
And he told me, he said, three of them have passed away and they're in heaven and the other two that are still living are still serving God to this day. That's what he said. He just went down there and he just shared his story. And you can do that at work. You can do that at school. Just show that you care. And then here's the other secret that I have in witnessing. Ask questions. I don't know what to say. Just ask a question. Many times I, I find myself, and there was a, there was a gentleman in, um, in the men's group the other weekend that said they work with Muslims. Many times when, when I'm with Muslims, I'll ask them a question. Here you go. Do you dream at night? Whatever their answer is, I, yes, no, whatever their answer is. Then I say, well, have you ever heard the stories of the Muslims that have dreams of Jesus in the night around the world? No, tell me about it. Okay. And these Muslims from around the world, they get these dreams, different parts of the world. And then in Ramadan, they go to Mecca. And they're sitting around talking to each other from different parts of the world. And one guy says, oh, yeah, I had this dream of Jesus one night. And another guy from another part of the world, another Muslim from another part of the world, says, you did? I had that same dream. That's Jesus coming to those that are involved in Islam. Easy. Just ask questions. If you're Brandon, you can say, hey, where are you from? And they'll say, oh, I'm from Indiana. And Brandon can say, wow, I am too. Which part? And it develops a conversation. And you're, you say, well, Indiana has nothing to do with heaven. I believe that. No. But they're not going to get saved because they're from Indiana. They're going to get saved because in the morning you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you and to give you the words to say. You could ask them the question, what do you think about God and how he wants to help people? There's a question. Oh, I don't believe in God. You don't? Oh, you should hear my story, how he helped me. Let me tell you about it. Or maybe they may say, yeah, he's helped me so many times. And then there's an atheist standing in your group. And you can say, well, how did he help you? And then he'll share. And then, well, you ought to hear how he helped me. And then you share. Meanwhile, the atheist is getting witness to the whole time. The last statement that Paul says is this. And this is to your shame. Paul, being a father in the Lord, what he was saying was, is, it's a shame that I have to tell you to wake up. It's a shame that I have to tell you to stop sinning. You should be more mature than that. Paul's telling the Corinthians to examine themselves, to search their hearts, to awake to righteousness, to stop sinning, 
and to share the knowledge of God both in church and out of church. Let me close with this illustration. I remember the story when I was a young boy in Africa and there was an old, older woman in the village that had leprosy. Some of you don't know what leprosy is or what it does. It eats your fingers and it eats your it's, it, it, it eats away at your body. It's a horrible, horrible disease. And she had this and her she's older and her her fingers and toes were eaten away by this disease. And so she had to crawl anytime that she went anywhere because how many of you know your toes help balance you when you walk? Yeah, knew that? Yeah. So so she would have to crawl on her hands and knees. And the day came where she wanted to sacrifice, to make her sacrifice at the altar of the village, pagan sacrifice. And this is where people, they'll bring goats and sheep and sometimes even cows. And they'll bring their sacrifice to the witch doctor or to the juju priest. It's the same thing, witch doctor, juju priest. And they'll bring their sacrifice and then... He takes the sacrifice for them, and he slaughters the sacrifice. That's what he does. And this is their ritual. This is what they believe that they have to do to appease their gods. And so, But she only had a small chicken to offer. And so the day came when she crawled on her hands and knees through the village and in the dirt along with her chicken, her small chicken, to take to the altar. And when she got to the altar, the juju priest took the chicken, the small chicken, from her, and, and she got up off of her all fours, just onto her knees, just kneeling before, before the altar. And she was observing as the witch doctor did his duties, and as you can imagine, the joy that was in her heart because here she was offering something to God. Very poor person, didn't have a lot, but she was offering, making her offering to her God. And so as she knelt there and her heart was filled with joy and the, the juju priest slit the throat of the chicken and the blood ran down on the altar. It could be the altar could consist of stones. It could consist of a pot or some kind of structure of some kind. And they let the blood run down it. And then they cut the meat and set the meat in different places and pluck the feathers and stick the feathers in the blood to dry and to stick there. And she had this satisfaction that she was able to offer a chicken. And in her focus on the altar, she didn't realize that the juju priest had walked away from the altar and gone around behind her. And suddenly, he reached back and he kicked her in the back. And she fell forward, face down in the dirt. And she laid there crying, as the juju priest said to her, if all you have to bring to this altar is a small chicken, then don't come here anymore. Because this is not enough 
for an offering to the gods. That's what he said to her. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. You see, this woman served her God. Yeah, it was a false God, but it was her God. And today we serve our God. It's the true and living God. There's a difference there, but as far as serving is concerned, she was serving her God and we serve ours. But I can tell you that our God has never treated us in that way. Never once have we come to church and it wasn't enough. We brought what we could. Maybe we felt it wasn't enough, but God never said that. And this woman had passion for her God. This tremendous commitment and passion. And I'm asking you today, how does her passion equate with your passion for your God? Her commitment level was high. How high is your commitment level? How hot is your fire for God? Are you in love today with God more than a year ago? More than when you first got saved? If not, I want to say it like Paul said it. He said, examine yourself. Awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness. How did you do today on the exam? Be honest with yourself and God. I'm not asking you to come up here and give a rating from 1 to 10 on the Richter scale. I'm not saying that. Be honest with yourself. Your walk with God. How intimate is it today? Again, this isn't a time to beat yourself up. It's a time to be honest with yourself and see where you are and then ask God to help you make those changes. I'm going to ask you if the Holy Spirit said something to you today or you see an area where you know you need improvement, I'm going to ask you to come and stand with me in the altars for prayer. Just going to ask you to come and stand. You may be here and you may say, well, I, I never, I didn't realize. I get doing all this stuff and I didn't realize how much I was really missing out on God. If that's you, come, come stand with me. We're going to pray together. You may be here today and you may, you may not even know God. You may have zero relationship with God. But you heard something today and you want to. I want you to come. Join us at the front. Join us at the front. You may say, well, I don't think that he could forgive me of the things that I've done. Try him. Try him. If that's you, I want you to come. If the Holy Spirit is putting his flashlight on something in your life, I want you to come. We're going to pray together. I'm not going to take a long time, but I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you.
want to pray with you. Hallelujah. If you're coming out, come now. Come now. Come now. There's nothing in the world like being in love. Nothing. Being in love with Him. <laughs> I can get in the room with Him and I don't even sometimes have words to say. I just know He's there with me and everything is fine. I wouldn't trade that for anything. I love it when He speaks to me. But He didn't even have to speak to me. Just If I can just get Him in the room with me. If I can get him in my truck while I'm driving, if I can do that, if I can get him in that oneness, that intimacy, what a treasure. Everyone's standing. Let's pray together. Father, we, we come to you today and we had this exam that we had to do. As much as we hate exams, we know that it's really good for us because it tells us where we truly are. God, I believe that you're speaking to people and that you're showing them areas where they need to awaken themselves to righteousness. God, awaken us as a church. Yes, as an individual, but wake, awaken us as a church to righteousness. Help us to stop sinning. Help us to stop doing things that displease you, that are not pleasing in your sight. I ask you. I ask you. And I ask you to Help us share the knowledge of God in the church through discipleship, but also outside of the church. There are people not far from this building who have no knowledge of God. We don't have to go around the world, although we do need to go around the world. There are people caught up in their day-to-day -day life and don't even think they don't even have a thought one thought in a day about God they don't even think about God God would you help us to share even if it's a little bit of knowledge about God would you open doors would you lead us to the right people would you give us the actual words to say, whether it's in a question form or a declaration form. God, lastly, I pray that we would not bring shame to you. That we would grow in you. That we would cultivate our relationship with you. That we would mature in you. And do everything that you want us to do. I thank you for every individual under the sound of my voice watching over the internet. I pray by your strength and by your power 
we would rise up. We would be true Christians, true followers of you in every area of our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You're free to be dismissed if you'd like prayer. You want to stay up here longer? Grab some of us on staff here. Love to pray with you. Believe with you. God bless you all.